Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now, this is Afternoon Pancakes, episode 25. My name is Jared Malott. I'm here with my friend Stephen Reed. How are we feeling today? You know, uh, have you ever just felt meh? Like, it's just a jury day, Mm. and... You just kind of watched the game last night, and you're going, eh, oh. That's how I feel right now. I mean, I'm excited to be talking to you and happy to be here doing the podcast. Uh, but how I feel about the Colts right now is meh. Yeah, I was kind of conflicted on um, what emotions to convey to an audience and the closest I could get to exactly how I feel is the Colts have 99 problems and their left guard and Darius Leonard are not problems. But outside of that last night, I think it's pretty fair to say that a very young football team got caught up in the lights I think that's probably fair. Yeah, I would say that that is actually uh, probably more than fair. It's not often that your very young, pretty inexperienced defense boasting three or four rookie starters travels to New Orleans, which it's worth mentioning, one of the more difficult places to play in the NFL one of the loudest stadiums in the NFL, uh, a hell of a home atmosphere for Drew Brees on a night where he's on pace to break, uh, to pass Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for the most touchdowns in a career and does so pretty easily. And that could be said for his, for Drew Brees' performance in the game, that that was a cakewalk. Uh, I don't remember... In in my entire time as a football fan, a more complete performance from a starting quarterback in the NFL. There wasn't a single throw that Drew Brees made that was questionable. And it's also worth saying that a lot of that has to do with the type of coverage this young Colts secondary uh, was playing. And it also kind of reminded me of things I've been saying. Um, As many of you may know, I've been commentating 
uh, sporting events, all football for about the last month uh, via an app called Hot Mike that you can download on iTunes or Android. And one of the things I've been saying lately is I have a problem with any defense that lines up anything other than your absolute best cover corner and over their best wide receiver and tries to take him out of the game. And I'm not saying injure him. I'm saying disrupt his release at the line of scrimmage and then... I don't know, put your safety down over the top so that when he does get behind your corner and, and get some separation, that you have a safety right there to try to make a play on the ball. And last night, if you know, I've watched this game a couple times now, you go back and watch, I can think of one offensive play for the Saints that I that I can remember that Michael Thomas did not get a clean release. And you got to figure with Drew Brees at the helm, you got to respect their rushing attack. You know Michael Thomas is the one, if not the best receiver in the NFL, one of the best. You've got to disrupt him. You've got to make sure you get, you know, getting a hat on him is not the play, but trying to get somebody between Drew Brees and, and Michael Thomas at all times would seem like the right thing to do. And it just didn't happen. So I'm, I'm left again, just like I started out saying we got a million problems. And really the only thing I'm not terribly concerned about is, well, Quentin Nelson, Anthony Costanzo, Ryan Kelly, those seem like three great players. Marlon Mack and T.Y. when they're healthy and 100%, which I'm afraid neither of them are. And that kind of shows. And the even bigger question is, what happened last night? I mean, let's just take a look at the data for this season. Let's look at the Saints' defense as it compares to the rest of the league. Now, Going into the game, and this is after the game. So now we are after the game. Saints, uh, 21st in total defense. Um, let's see. The Saints are 10th against the rush. Or no, I'm sorry. 21st in pass defense, 10th against the rush. And... Let's see, overall, 17th. So in my eyes, going into this game, the Colts uh, defensively were kind of up against it. And clearly, based on what you saw on the field, that that's true. But on offense, you, there's there's got to be some credit. The Colts should have been able to move the ball last night. Should have been able to score, do, do move something. the ball, do something. <laughs> Um, and I think it all, again, goes back to, again, the thing I started with was, I think a young, inexperienced Colts team got caught up in the bright lights. That includes Jacoby Brissett. And barring information coming down the pipeline that says, well, Jacoby had an MCL injury that he's been rehabbing and he's still going through some pain and it's affecting his... 
uh, ability to plant and throw and barring that information coming out, which it, it may never. And, and that's one of those things that affects people's careers. So, so we may never know what in the Sam hell happened last night because we may never get a clear picture. But my, my thought process is probably everybody's banged up. It's the end of the season. You're on the road in a hostile environment with a young football team and you get absolutely thrashed and and the saints i mean you got you got it kind of goes without saying the saints look like one of the better complete teams in the nfl barring injury to any one of their star players uh so yeah i went into the game thinking we we talked about it on last week's podcast that we this was from the beginning of the season. This was one of the games we thought the Colts would lose. We talked about last week we thought they would lose pretty handily. But I certainly didn't see 34-7 to and failing to force the Saints offense to punt until the game was out of hand and failing to score a touchdown until the game was clearly out of hand. So with all that you said, know what's help, funny? help me. Because I think last week we both had them losing by 18 points. That was really conservative, and that's really kind of sad yeah. about it, is that they got blitzed by 27 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the final score doesn't really represent how the game was. No. Um, it, it was way worse than this. It was way um, worse than the scoreboard. And what I think, you know, one thing that I took from it was the Colts, uh, they got down early. Um, once they got down, that this, you know, um, I mean, when you look at it, New Orleans' first five possessions they scored. One, two, three, four, five, six. First six possessions they scored. Like, and that's that's the tough part is, is it a an issue with the with the defensive play caller on it? Because they were going in zone or, like you said, like Desir is supposed to be our top man cover guy and yet Rocky Seen was on Michael Thomas and they couldn't guard Mike. Um, you know, and that's that's what it ultimately down to. I mean, I jokingly said early in the game that I thought Michael Thomas might break Marvin Harrison's reception record that night. A, a little did I know that that might have actually that had they kept playing and kept throwing the ball, that could have happened. Um, and that was sad. And and the, the issue that I have with it is once they got down 10 points, 17 points, like I think as fans, we all kind of were like, oh, this game's over. And that really kind of sucks as a fan um, because for 20 years, uh, as the Colts, if they were down by any number, if it was in three scores going into the fourth quarter, you're like, all right, we still got a shot. Right. You know? Yeah, I believe in luck. I believe in Peyton. You know, th- these guys are going to bring them back. This is going to be a game. Colts went down 17-0. And at that point, you were like, yeah, this game's over. Time to go uh, go watch some Star Wars uh, movies to try to catch up before the, the release this week. Uh, try to try to you know, watch some Mandalorian. Just go to something else. Uh, fortunately, I went ahead and watched the game. Um, and... It was. Uh, part of me is like, I wish I would have. I wish I would have watched Star Wars. 
<laughs> uh, it might have been more entertaining. Um, you know, and, and the toughest part is the Colts in each of those first two possessions. They were seven play each each possession was seven plays. Um, ended up having a punt. In each of those first two possessions, they were actually moving the ball decently mm-hmm. at times, and Brissett just folded under the lights. Yeah. And I don't know what, it's like you said, I, I don't know whether it's a mechanical issue, whether he's dealing with an injury, but I watched the game and, and counted his his inaccurate throws. He had 20, 34 throws on the night, I think is what it was. Mm-hmm. And I went and counted his inaccurate throws. And, and, and by inaccurate, I mean he overthrew the guy or he threw it behind them. Okay. And those that's how I classified If he threw it in front of them, and they got a hand on it, or they could have gotten a hand on it, or the defender knocked it down, I did not count that as an inaccurate throw. I only counted blatant overthrows or throws behind him. He had, in the first half, eight inaccurate throws, four of them being overthrows, where it wasn't even, like, the receiver couldn't even make a play on it, where it was so far over their head. And in those first two drives, he had four, like four or five of them. And so, and, and the trouble is, and I don't know whether, uh, there was a big thing earlier in the year about Sam Darnold in, in his hot mic situation where they, they announced, I think it was ESPN actually, where they announced something he said on the, or they, they publicized something he said on the sidelines to one of his coaches that I'm seeing ghosts. And I don't know whether... Jacoby Brissett was seeing ghosts because he had a clean pocket. Like the offensive line for all my, my harping on Glowinski actually played pretty well last night, even though New Orleans was down to two defensive players. They lost an injury after last week, um, lost one of their primary pass rushers. Um, play this, yeah. Mar- I was going to say, I think it was Mark, Marcus Davenport. He didn't play this week. Um, and they lost another guy later in the week. And I don't remember the name. Um, but it's another defensive lineman that that were uh, that was doing pretty well, I thought. Um, but yeah, so my biggest takeaway from Brissett, and I don't know what it is, um, you know, I, I can't pinpoint one single thing, um, and that's the frustrating part about it. Because if it was mechanical, and you could clearly see that there was he was just getting the ball off late, his release point was off, something like that, like he was. Uh, like I didn't count the throw to Jordan Wilkins in the later in the game where he threw it down into his feet because Brissett was under pressure. And that's another thing I took into account. If he, if he was under pressure and had an inaccurate throw, I didn't count it because I'm like, you know what? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this um, and just kind of go with it. But I just, I just don't have faith in him. And that's, and I know that, that you've been a big proponent of Brissett, and I understand like all these injuries have happened to the wide receiver position and to the tight end position and to the running back position. But last night, it was just hard to watch because he had a clean pocket right. for the majority of the night, and he had plenty of room to step into throws, and he was just missing. And I'm going, yeah. what, what is it? Like, Are you not seeing, seeing the defense correctly pre-snap? Were you not coached up earlier in the week? Like Frank Wright got out coached. Like oh, I don't think sure. anybody like this was the worst loss of his career. Um, and I, I, well, 
let me say this is the worst loss of his career. Probably not the most surprising loss. And the most surprising loss was last year to Jacksonville, that 6-0 loss. Right. Because we're like, wait, well, how did you lose to Jacksonville <laughs> at that point? Um, this one we all kind of saw as a buzzsaw coming in. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and, and you know, Booker McFarlane talking about early in the game, like, Brissett as their franchise QB, I'm just not sold on it. And it's for the same things that I've been saying is he's either throwing late to guys. And, and again, let me reiterate, when I say throwing late, <laughs> oddly enough, this time it actually was throwing behind people. But most of the time it is he's throwing when he sees the receiver start to come back to him. And a lot of those dig routes, a lot of those outside breaking routes, when he starts seeing them start going outside, that's when he throws it. He needs to start that throw before they make their break. Right. Um, because once they make that break, the defender then has an opportunity to be able to, to rush in and make those plays because the defense in the NFL now, like all of those guys are fast. Yeah. Like you're not going to find a corner that's playing in the NFL that is just awkwardly slow unless you're talking about Quincy Wilson. And that's about it. Uh, I apologize. That's, that was a low blow. Um, not unwarranted, but low blow. Um, and so I, I just have a hard time with it. And I just, I just feel like this, this game was kind of the, the tipping point. Yes. Uh, for, for a lot of fans and a lot of, a lot of local media. I know Stephen Holder has been kind of, you know, promoting Jacoby Brissett and and making all these things, and while we're all saying, "Hey, you know, if the opportunity comes to draft a replacement for Jacoby Brissett, you don't just draft a QB to draft a QB. You draft a QB because you think that he's going to be an upgrade. And so, if they do draft a QB, Ballard thinks he's going to be an upgrade over Jacoby Brissett. And that's where I think that there's a lot of nuance to this conversation that some people are missing. Yeah. Is that a lot of us are saying, or a lot of us are, are not saying, just draft a QB, draft any QB, and they'll be better than Jacoby Reset. I don't think that's true. No. I think Jacoby Reset in the right system, you know, with the proper proper talent, um, can be a good spot starter and a really high quality backup. He's our, he's obviously won the locker room. They, they haven't, uh, they might have lost faith in him after this game because this was just. A lot of it was on him. Like, yeah. how how different is this game if he throws those passes accurately on those first two drives and the Colts can at least score field goals yeah. on him? Like, you're looking at 3-3 at three to three to start, you know, 6-3 and then 6-10 going into the second quarter. That's yeah. a whole different ball game. Like, the Colts are still able to run at that point. But once they got down 17 points... I sat there and I go, I really hope that Jacoby Brissett can bring them back. Because as much as I want really good draft position, uh, you know, for the team to get, get an opportunity to get players, I still want the team to win. Right. Like, I'm still a fan. I still hate to see that, see this. Yeah. The, that's where I have the biggest struggle with. What I w was thinking about last night that was just one of those harsh realities you have to accept 
is I was trying to think of because I watch I'd like to think I watch quite a bit more football than the average person. And earlier this year, I compared Jacoby to uh, an Alex Smith. And I'm afraid that I have to retract that. And now I have a feeling that Jacoby Brissett lines up more appropriately somewhere in the neighborhood of Joe Flacco or Terod Taylor. In that, what you see on the field is, without a shadow of a doubt, hesitation, a lack of confidence, an inability to do things that the layman, you and I, can clearly see. And that's just like we've been saying. Throw with anticipation, throw your receivers open, accurately place the football anytime, anywhere. And when you have a clean pocket and an open receiver, it's just your job. You should be deadly accurate with that football. And when you are not, and you go on the road, and you put up effectually a goose egg against the 21st overall defense in the NFL, the hard reality is there's a reason Baker Mayfield's starting for the Browns. And it's because when he came out, it's almost like he didn't know better. And he just took some risk. I'm going to put this ball on this receiver and I'm going to make him make a play. And when they rise up and make a play, I look really good. They look really good. We move the ball and we score touchdowns. Where's Terod Taylor now? Similarly, Joe Flacco goes to Denver. Everybody thinks you're going to get vintage Joe Flacco, that he's going to lift this team. And then what you saw was hesitation, a lack of confidence. He gets replaced, benched. And then Drew Locke comes in, doesn't know better, throws with accuracy, timing, trusts his receivers, puts the ball 10 or more yards down the field on a regular basis, and wins his first start and looks like the future for the franchise. So I get sticking to your guns, supporting uh, a quarterback who, if you just look at the numbers, man, this year is so much different than 2017. And to my point, in 2017, just just so everybody understands, while, while we're putting Jacoby Brissett on the chopping block and saying he's had 30 starts in the NFL, this is what we're going to get. He's a, f- a f- 500 or worse quarterback. Uh, quarterback wins while being a terrible statistic. That's what the layman cares about. Um, but it's worth saying, in 2017, Jacoby's first year as a starter for the Colts, uh, the Colts were 32nd in total defense, 31st in total offense. So uh, he inherited a terabad uh, opportunity. And for the larger part, I'm kind of willing to to put that aside and say, hey, the offensive line was absolute garbage. Not all of that is on Jacoby Brissett. But this year, here's here's the real issue. Okay. 
2018, uh, with Andrew Luck at the helm, Colts uh, ninth overall uh, offensively in terms of total offense in the NFL. Just to clarify, eighth, sorry, and ninth in total defense. And I would argue that last year, because of the confidence that Andrew Luck plays with, uh, the team overperformed. And those numbers are skewed positively uh, because when you have a quarterback that knows your offense like the back of his hand, isn't afraid to put the ball downfield, trusts his receivers, throws with anticipation, uh, throws the ball accurately, makes great decisions, um, takes calculated risk. Your offense obviously is going to be more productive, but your defense is going to be playing with a lead more often, which is going to help build confidence. They're going to... Um, just put your offense in better field position. So if the offense starts at their own 25 or worse every time, your defense is going to look pretty good because the real issue in the NFL is being able to sustain drives without having any glaring penalties, uh, without making any mistakes, being able to run the ball, not having any negative plays. Um, and then this year, and again, I'm just, there's a reason I was saying, you know, Jacoby is an NFL MVP candidate early on in the season. Well, he started five and two. The offense looked similar to what it did last year. But then as guys started to get banged up and the season started to wear on, you realize that it's almost like Jacoby has a, uh, a short-term memory uh, and a short-term application of lessons learned. Because if you look now, in 2019, in a lot of areas, you've seen some regression to the mean, right? Colts are 18th in total defense. Uh, but, and here's the kicker, 10th in total offense, and that's buoyed by one of the top five rushing attacks in the NFL. And it's worth mentioning that that top five rushing attack in the NFL didn't run the damn ball last night at all. And then also, so in addition to not doing what you're good at to start the game, to sustain drives, to put points on the board, to keep yourself in a game that, again, we thought we were going to lose anyway, and even handily, just not this bad. On top of that, you leave this game and you really got a question Jacoby's ability to elevate himself, that offense, this team, when the odds are against you, when you're on the road, when the lights are bright, you know, when you're on national television, embarrassing Colts fans worldwide, um, it makes you wonder, you know, specifically, is this the quarterback the Colts are going to ride or die with in the future. Is it imperative that the Colts look immediately to replace him in this draft? 
I would never recommend to any team to lose intentionally to improve your draft stock. I don't think that helps you, and it doesn't help your team's confidence. You should always play to win, especially when you have a very, very young defense. But the hard reality is that it's it's different when you say, well, Jacoby was under pressure consistently. There was never a clean pocket. There were hands in his face all night. Uh, The reality is he had a clean pocket. He had time to throw. He had receivers wide open. He didn't hit them. Those are glaring concerns because I would argue outside of last night, the real issue that we'd seen with Jacoby was like the throwing with anticipation, throwing your receivers open, missing wide open guys. He had been throwing the ball accurately. He'd been completing passes uh, it's just last night it all it all fell apart, um, and couple that with not being able to run the football and and it, it's worth also saying and I just looked that up and forgot the guy's name number fifty six for the Saints. Um, he's a linebacker, Demario Davis. Had, I was going to say, I'm like, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm he like, had a said, great, he's in the 50s. I'm like, he's a linebacker. That's about yeah, all I can tell you. He, he had an incredible football game in coverage, covering tight ends, wide receivers, and even running backs. I mean, the guy literally was everywhere and on important downs. It's almost, it's almost as if the Saints kind of had a handle on where the Colts were going to go with the ball on important downs. So like I, like I started out saying, I saw a million things wrong last night and it all kind of just snowballed and hit us all at once. And it just happened to be a a big night for Drew Brees and the Saints franchise at home, uh, cementing themselves as a, as a top three seed in the NFC, um, continuing their dominance at home. Uh, Drew Brees breaks Peyton Manning's record uh, for touchdowns all time. And it really leaves me kind of wondering where's everybody else at, right? Like you, before well, last here's, night, here's, I go ahead, go ahead. Here's the thing is like the Colts as a whole, like they still have a lot of great pieces. Um, the, like the linebackers as a unit played really well. You, you saw Anthony Walker around the ball a lot. You saw Darius Leonard, Bobby Okereke. Like that linebacking core is young and yeah. it's fast and they're smart. And so, like the like for whatever reason, I I, I saw on on the Twitter machine this morning that people were ragging on Malik Hooker um, after the game, and I'm going for what? I don't know, like, I don't see, like, there was a couple plays where it looked like he was in coverage on Michael Thomas, Um, but Michael Thomas is, I said earlier in the year, I thought DeAndre Hopkins was maybe the best, best wide receiver in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to change that and say that it is Michael Thomas. (laughs) Yeah. Because after seeing him, like, in person, as much as we did last night, like, and maybe it is bias for the AFC South on my part to, to mention Hopkins there. Michael Thomas is just beyond a 
a top wide like he is the best wide receiver in the league and it's it's michael thomas deandre hopkins and then everybody else everybody else yeah and so i'm sitting there going all right like i'll give the secondary for the most part a pass like because they were playing zone coverage a lot yeah it seemed like and drew Brees is i think quite literally the most accurate quarterback in nfl history like they did a if you do a a google search drew Brees and then like type in a wobble video like unfortunately it's not going to be a like a video of drew Brees uh doing the wobble right but it's going to show him when he was younger and how his accuracy is and that he has the perfect amount of wobble on the ball so that it always or almost always goes to the exact spot that he wants it every time mm-hmm. and it is just insane how accurate he is yeah and so you can't sit there and and, and play his own defense against this guy given that he's been in the leaks for so long so he recognizes they're in zone and he knows exactly where he's going at that point. So like Malik Hooker got split on the Michael Thomas touchdown because it's Drew Brees. He's super accurate throwing to the best wide receiver in the NFL in a seam. Right. It's really hard to, to cover that, you know? And so like, I just, I have a hard time because, you know, we've got, I think a lot of good pieces, but they just haven't like for whatever, like they need a pass rush. Like, they need to upgrade that pass rush and Teray getting injured early in the season and having to rely on Ben Banigou and Justin Houston almost exclusively because Jabal Sheard is not putting anything in the pass rush at this point. Right. And so you've got effectively two pass rushers on on their team. And so, uh, you know, I just – I have a hard time with it because they've got talent – at certain positions and they just need a couple more spots. And then for me personally, I think that they need to, you know, upgrade that, that quarterback position um, if they can. And again, as fans, it's easier to say it and say, Oh yeah, they definitely need to get an upgrade there, but you gotta, it's not as easy as just, it's not like a magic genie. You can't just, you know, rub a lamp and all of a sudden you get a quarterback. No. And that exactly. and that'll be that'll be the story uh, for the for us leading up to the draft. Uh, for those uninitiated, if you're listening to our podcast and you don't really pay attention to what we're do what we do on Stampy Blue every year, and I know people are going to joke in the comments, "Oh, they're pitching their draft guide already." Um, we've kind of started our draft research already, so you'll notice. All the Stampy Blue staff members on Twitter talking about hashtag draft season. Uh, the Colts effectually limit, eliminated completely from playoff contention. Doesn't matter what happens in the last two games. You ain't going to the playoffs. Regardless of whether you yeah, win those two everybody games. Everybody should know that. Yeah. We are eliminated from the playoffs. So, and that so was that, the big takeaway from last night. Right. And, and, and that's why I started last night saying like, okay, it's draft season. I no longer am going to attach myself emotionally uh, to results. Not that I was terribly good at doing that anyway, because uh, I got too much other things going on. But it is worth pointing out, to your point, Michael Thomas last night, 12 receptions, 12 targets, 128 yards and a touchdown. 
uh, and did it all. Caught balls in traffic, caught balls one-handed. Some of those catches. Goodness gracious. Like, Pierre Desir on on one of his catches had perfect coverage on it. And and it was a diving catch, short of the first down, but Michael Thomas dove and Pierre Desir's hand was right there. And somehow he still, I, I literally watched the play and go, I have no idea how he got that. Like, there's, he shouldn't have caught it. Right. And like that one-handed handed catch going to the sideline early in the game, uh, or it might have been the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And you sit there and you go, wow, like that catch I could see because you tip it to yourself. and But it's still just an incredible effort by a really talented player. And yeah, that's, it's, it's really, it's fun to see talent like that, except when that talent is crushing your favorite team. Yeah. And that's, that's really ultimately. Oh, so I've got this stat for you. I, I yeah, did yeah. this beforehand um, for Colts fans that should be really excited um, for one part of the game going forward. And uh, that is that the uh, Colts last night were a hundred percent on extra points. And, I think that's a huge thing that everybody should be really excited about going forward. It's pretty big, right? Yeah, I mean, of course. One for one on extra points, 100%. We're not talking about the kicking game, except for that one punt block. But, you know, <laughs> punting, eh, you know. Yeah. Eh, eh. Like, seriously, the whole team failed last night. Yeah, there was not, there was not like, an aspect of phases. that game that I felt like the Colts had the upper hand. Um, obvious, obviously, to to start our woes last night, it was punt, punt blocked after well, getting penalties. Uh, well, and the crazy thing is that initial punt, they downed at the three-yard line. Right, it was so good. Back for, got called back for holding, and you're like, oh, okay, oh, man, that stinks. They're going to have to kick it again. And then they kick it again, and it gets blocked. And you're like, Oh man, that stinks! Oh wait, you got called for holding, and you still let them block it. Yeah. Like, yeah. oh come on, Wilkins, what yeah. are you doing, man? Like, you can't. If you're gonna hold them, at least just tackle them. Don't let them right. also block it. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. Like, a guy's got a clean, a clean shot at your quarterback. You just tackle him. Right. Like, don't let your quarterback take the hit. Just tackle him at that point. Um, same thing with pump blocks, just tackle them, kick it again, make them kick it again and, and just count your losses that way. Don't, don't hold them and let them block it. Ugh. So last night, we, you know, uh, those of us that pay really close attention to the draft, I don't know if you saw this, but, uh, so 17 hours ago, so about, about right at the end of the game. Uh, Todd McShay came out with his uh, mock draft 1.0. So let's take a look. While we're on a podcast, we're going to take a look. I'm on the page already. So here's what here's what we have. Okay, Colts. Um, for let's just look at straight records and say um, 11, 12, 13, 14. Top 15 pick. Is that fair? Somewhere between yeah, 11 I and just, 15. I just opened up this. I hadn't looked at it yet, but I just popped it open. So you're getting my thoughts like 
draw on, on yeah, this yeah. deck. Mine too. Ugh. Yeah, so the Colts right now, if if results hold, they'll be picking in like right at, right now they're they're in fifteenth slot. Okay. Um, you know, if they end up if they, they lose the, the remaining two games, they're probably picking somewhere. I think the highest they could pick is sixth. Um, I don't think that happens because that's like the, the amount of wins these other teams would have to get is bordering on how the games had to have fallen for the Colts to make the playoffs if they won last night. Right. Like it's almost, you know, on, I mean, it's so unlikely that it happened that way. Realistically, the Colts are probably going to be picking in that eight to 12 range, you know, eight to 13 range. If they lose out, if they went out, then they're probably looking to pick in that 15 to 19 range, mm-hmm. you know, 15 to 18 range. Um, and so it, it really does change the the type of player that's available to you. Um, you know, you still got to hit the pick, but yeah, you, know, you, you get a lot more options um, when you're picking a little bit earlier. The, reason i brought that up is is a lot of people are gonna come out and say hey colts should go quarterback in the first round uh but here's here's my issue based on what you just said too so you said we have to hit on that pick my issue with taking a quarterback in the first round is this if the Colts are picking, let's say, 15th, I'm looking at the teams ahead of them that I think need to take a quarterback at this point. And I see the Bengals, the Dolphins, arguably the Chargers, the Lions. Bengals, Dolphins, Chargers. Arguably the Lions. Arguably the Jaguars. Arguably the Panthers. So that's that's five, six teams picking ahead of the Colts. And my question you for Colts fans... You can also argue the Raiders, because I don't think Derek Carr is a good fit for John Gruden in that offense. But I, I've been saying all along I don't think he's on the Raiders after this season. Yeah, I don't think um, he probably is So I think, one, I think that it's fair to argue there are a glut of seasoned quarterbacks in the NFL that are either going to retire or not be on their team. And with the Colts having a bunch of cap space, it's worth pondering. Is it better to get a seasoned veteran quarterback? That is a definite statistical upgrade to Jacoby Brissett that can help this young team. You know, it's like taking, you know, bringing in a Justin Houston instead of addressing it early in the draft, right? Like you bring in a Justin, maybe an Andy Dalton, Maybe, maybe, maybe or, a Derek uh, Carr. Maybe if, maybe if he's available. Yeah, I mean, and and a lot of Colts fans are going to say, no, I, I, we need young blood. And here's my thought. If you need to nail the pick, you don't take the sixth best quarterback prospect in the first round. Yeah, so, well, and this is a great point. As you don't just take a quarterback. Be, like, you don't want to be on the backside of a run. Right. Um, you don't you don't want to take the worst of five quarterbacks. Now you might have a different order on, on how how they're graded. So right. like we might look at them and say, all right, so our order is is uh, you know Burrow is is your clear one, 
at mm-hmm. quarterback this year. And then there's arguable between Tua, Herbert, Love, right in that range. For, I think, a lot of Colts fans, that's where like the next three fall. And then you've got Eason, Fromm, Gordon, um, I'm missing somebody. Um, Hurts. And Hurts. Is there's there. so there you know the, and the, that, that's your next four so you don't want to sit there and be taking a guy like Easton from Gordon or Hertz at 15 no because and Colts fans need to understand this if if they can't get one of those those top three guys top four guys and with love I think we should talk about this later about about the stuff that happened with him earlier today um, so. If you can't get one of those top four guys, you don't take the fifth or sixth guy at 15. You just take whoever. Cause, and you have to remember, at that point in the draft, if, say, those four top guys have gone and you've got, say, you know, 10 guys that you think are elite, and those quarterbacks, three of those quarterbacks weren't in that group, more likely than not, you've got one of those elite players staring you in the face at 15. Right. And so you get a guy like an A.J. Espinosa or a Derek Brown or a C.D. Lamb, you know, a guy like that that has somehow fallen to you. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. here's what I'm going to do for, for, the, for my money, okay? When I go and I look up uh prospect order uh people that you know and we'll also evaluate that so as part of the reason i brought up the draft guide we're going to do our own evaluations we're going to watch a whole bunch of film there are a dozen or more stampy blue staff members i uh i want all of the information to come to me because i'm selfish and i also have a podcast that i find is really important to me so because i speak about the colts i would rather let my colleagues do the research them give me all the research i'll collate it i'm not going to reorder anything i'm not going to change the grades on your prospects i'm not going to challenge you on that i'm going to trust you to do a whole lot of film work a whole lot of hardcore evaluation i'm going to take your take your word for it but at this point without all that information and i'm going to ask you how do you feel about walter football pretty pretty good source uh, Walter football is kind of hit or miss for me. Okay. Uh, All I'm uh, looking I, at are quarterback prospects. Uh, and let's just go, hey, here's the reality. Okay. The number one overall prospect in this class is Joe Burrow, and he's going to go be a Cincinnati Bengal. He's also from Ohio. And if you don't think that's happening, buy lottery tickets, bet on this, because it's going to happen. There is zero doubt in my mind. Unless he gets in a car crash or something, let's let's pretend that that's not going to happen, okay? And then yeah, let's let's be clear: we don't want that to happen. So from from Walter from Walter football, that. and this is without a better source. So if we just had a better order, we would just use that order: Justin Herbert, Tua, Jake Fromm, uh, Eason, Newman, Mond, Kellen Mond from Texas A&M, Montez from Colorado, Jordan Love. Costello from Stanford, Stanley from Iowa, Khalil Tate, James Morgan, Ellinger. There's Lewerke from Michigan State, Shea Patterson from Michigan, Jalen Hurts, Oklahoma, Case Cookus, 
Jacob Nip. You hear all these names, not in any particular order, but then you think about drafting at 15 knowing, knowing, no, no Joe Burrow, no Justin Herbert, no Tua, no Eason, probably no Fromm. So by 15, the best quarterback prospects available are guys we've been talking about all along. Jordan Love, Jalen Hurts. Um, and I think, for my money, people picking behind us in the first round aren't likely to be taking quarterbacks. So I just want to make sure that I'm reiterating things I've already said. For those people out there that are like, Colts are taking a quarterback in the first round of the draft. No, they're not. The Colts may select a quarterback in this draft, but I don't. What about Anthony Gordon? Right. So think about there well, are at least. Here's the thing is, I, don't, I wouldn't say no, they're not going to take a quarterback in the first round. They say be prepared for them not to. Mm. Because I, I think there's a distinction. Because if one of those guys, for whatever reason, falls or. Right. You see this every year. A guy goes to the Senior Bowl, and and we all know that that Chris Ballard likes guys that go to the Senior Bowl. Oh yeah. But the Senior Bowls, for one, it's going to be really talented this year. So I'm excited to see the the competition, the battles that take place. Yes. Um, but if guy Argu- goes to the arguably Bowl, the most talented Senior Bowl in memory. I, yeah, I was going to say it's it's really good. They've got a lot of of, of blue chip guys, guys that are going to go in in the first round. Absolutely. Um, there this year, but. Yes. If a guy goes there and boosts his draft stock and really kind of puts on a show, he's going to be able to. Like, I want to say Daniel Jones last year did it um, and really showed out really well. Uh, I might be wrong on that, um, but I know there was um, there was different guys that, that, that have gone to the Senior Bowl and, and, and boosted their draft stock. So if a guy like a Jordan Love who – Walter Football, I, I jumped to their page, but I think they haven't like – at ninth overall, is that right? Yeah, ninth overall on their board. If Jordan Love goes there and and really impresses them, there he moves up the rankings. Um, if he goes and and really is not impressive, or you know, say I think Justin Herbert is going too, isn't he? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, and so yeah, it's a I mean it's a pretty and I know Jake Fromm is going. Um, yeah, you're going to have a lot of really good quarterbacks there. But the important thing is you have to understand that when the Colts are drafting, they may not draft a quarterback in the first round. And that doesn't mean that they're like being stuck with Jacoby Brissett. No. It's just the value of other positions compared to what was on the board at the time is higher. And so they might take a guy like a, like I said, a top defensive end that could be there or a defensive tackle like a Javon Kinlaw um, could slip to them. He's a defensive tackle out of South Carolina. Absolutely. And so you've got these options. You've got so many wide receivers in this draft um, mm-hmm. that you could, you could kind of pick your, pick your fancy on what you like there. And you've got a lot of, you know, you've got some decent offensive tackles um, that if you want to look for a replacement for a long-term replacement for Anthony Costanzo, um, you can look there. Uh, firstly, I think Costanza's played really well this season, so I wouldn't look to replace him just yet. Um, but still, yeah, you look at these rankings and you kind of go, all right, I, 
I don't take them as a end-all, be-all ranking because these guys are just looking at a general skill set mm-hmm. for quarterbacks. Like when you look at the Stampede Blue Draft Guide, you're going to see a lot of us are looking at it from a Colts perspective. Yes. And so guys that are uh, more – like the Colts look for a very different type of defensive tackle mm-hmm. than what other teams do. And so Walter Football just kind of looks at the general – skill sets so like for the Colts a guy like maybe a Jalen Hurts or a Jordan Love or you know Anthony Gordon might move up because they show that they've got certain certain potential um you know guys like uh Justin Herbert might drop because as you mentioned on last week's podcast there are some concerns about his or we have some concerns about his diagnosis of of defenses at the line of scrimmage because he gets all everything cue carded in and it yep. might be just part of part of Oregon's offense, and it's going to make a huge difference what the interviews say about him and how well he can read and diagnose without somebody else giving him the info. Yes, and that mirrors what Pat McAfee and I talked about. One of the conversations we had was about this draft, about this draft class, about selecting a quarterback and taking numbers into perspective. We talked preliminarily about kickers, and he completely said, hey, I understand the kickers in this Cheez-It Bowl on the 27th features two top 10 statistically kickers that are draft eligible, but I'm going to, and he literally said, but let's stop that conversation now. Those numbers don't matter. The game's between the ears when millions of dollars are on the line, that combine, that draft, those interviews are way more important than what you do on the field. And then we also talked about Jordan Love, Anthony Gordon, guys that I, Jalen Hurts, these were these are three quarterbacks that I, because I know the top four quarterbacks are going to get drafted ahead of wherever the Colts pick, that you are looking more towards the middle of that top ten quarterback class, that these are more likely to be our targets. And immediately I realized guys like Justin Herbert, I'd argue, guys like uh, – Oh, I just said his name too. Anthony Gordon. These are what I would call the new system quarterbacks, right? An Oregon and a Washington State quarterback uh, playing under Mike Leach. And then obviously, like we just talked about, Oregon, their their offensive play calling comes in from the sidelines. That means the quarterback is not left to go to the line of scrimmage, assess what the defense is doing, and, and change the play based on that. They're taking all their instruction from a coaching staff on the sideline. That's not how that works in the NFL. So when you're and, – and again, this is something that we will be left to see is as these bowl games play out, guys are going to get injured. Then you have the senior bowl. And one of the things that you're going to see happens every year one of those players is going to get a bit is going to get big headed and they're going to skip out on the senior bowl his draft stock falls then you have the time between the senior bowl and the combine for young people to make mistakes and eliminate themselves categorically from even being drafted jordan love so for those that don't know jordan love got in a little bit of trouble and some teammates got caught with marijuana in a state where it's illegal. And that can affect his draft stock. Do I think it should? Probably not. Unless he pops on a piss test at the combine, I don't think it's a big deal. It's not like he's 
taking videos of himself huffing dope from a gas mask. That's kind of not what happened. Uh, so no Laramie Tunzel here. But it is worth kind of looking at the idea that here's what I think. Based on Todd McShay's own uh, big board that came out last night, so this is hot off the press, the Colts are going to draft Javon Kinlaw in the first round. Now, are you happy about that? I am. I'm ecstatic. That's the best defensive tackle prospect in this class. It's not close. I'd rather have him on my team than a middle of the top 10 in this class quarterback. So that said, how do you feel about a statement like that? Like I'd, I'd rather so, have a Javon Kinlaw than a Jordan love in the first round. Um, so I'm looking at, I might be looking at a different draft because Tom McShay's 2020 mock draft 1.0 that got put out 11, 10 last night. He has them taking uh, Justin Jefferson. No, that's what I was saying. Based on based on what I see him saying, oh, Colts are going to take a wide receiver. And then mm-hmm. I'm like, really? Well, where'd Javon Kinlaw go? And I see oh, he, go, gotcha. he goes two picks later to the Tampa Bay Bucks. And I'm like, oh, well, this draft is short-sighted because there's no way, mm-hmm. in my eyes. Okay, I see what you're saying now. The yeah, Colts I prioritize like, I a wide this. receiver over a player like Javon Kinlaw. There's no way. Now, so, that's, of course, without seeing workouts say, and stuff like that. So, okay, so everybody knows. Tom McShay has the Colts taking Justin Jefferson. Yes. And he talks about, you know, giving Jacoby Brissett a reliable pass catcher on the outside. Um, after that, Javon Kinlaw, a defense tackle from South Carolina, got taken by Tampa Bay at 17. I actually would go in a different direction uh, with this. I would have gone with A.J. Espinosa, the defensive end at Iowa, who went 29th to the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Um, I think that the Colts are actually going to – the combination of Autry Stewart and Hunt actually played pretty well last night. And Hunt came on early in the season. We blasted Hunt because right. he was not doing anything to justify that contract extension. Um, but in recent games in the past five, six weeks, he's played well. Uh, Grover Stewart's played really well. And Danico Autry has been able to still get some inside pressure. Um, the Colts really kind of need a pass rusher that will take over for Jabal Sheard and actually be like part, like have some kind of pass rushing, uh, pass rushing prowess in there and still be able to stop the run. So I think a guy like AJ uh, Epineza from Iowa, I think I've been adding an extra S in there uh, forever, but AJ Epineza from Iowa would be a guy that, that the Colts look at at 15. And as you mentioned, Jordan Love, um, recently, it's reported that he is being charged criminally uh, for marijuana possession in Utah. So these drug charges were filed against Love, one of their wide receivers and their running backs. And it's an incident coming from this past Saturday night at a party, a place on campus over at Utah State. And that the I, I read this article and I said, all right, I don't think anybody's going to actually get you know, convicted of this. It looks like they're going to charge these guys. Um, I don't see it. I see for one, them pleading out. If it does get to that, the only way I see them actually getting convicted is if they had the marijuana on them um, and the police found them. But the, I, I read this and I go, all right, there's some, there's some inconsistencies here. Like they, they reported that the police officer saw the odor 
uh, from the room, emanating from the room. And I'm going, all right, you're probably smoking a lot of pot to be able to see smoke come out from the bottom of a doorway or you've got like a backdraft thing going on. Uh, some other situation here, more likely than not, the cops smelled it, went over to the door, smelled thing. They didn't see anything. They just kind of smelled and, and went for it. Um, that said, I, it's, I look at this marijuana situation and I go, all right, it's dumb to do because it's illegal in the state. Realistically, I would probably guess the majority of college football players smoke pot. Mm. I would also guess the majority of professional football players smoke pot. Um, they just know when they can and when they can't. Agree. And so right now, yeah, Jordan Love went and got himself tagged for this. Uh, the bigger question is, is he going to get, is he going to get, um, be a, uh, get a positive test at the combine? Because that's when you go, when you know you're getting tested for the NFL mm-hmm. and you still smoke pot in that time, that's when you know that there's an issue. Yes. Um, because, and, and it makes you question the decision making. If he gets tagged at the combine for this, I think his draft stock plummets. Agree. Because then you question, all right, what are you doing, man? Like, you know this is coming. Like, you can't smoke pot like for 30 days or however long it stays in your system prior to getting tested and as of right now this means nothing for his nfl career in terms of entering a testing program or being placed on any kind of lists in the nfl i'm gonna make a couple jokes about pot okay yeah go for it first of all you can't see odor so that that, that was my point in that that the officer said they saw odor like it is a a smell thing you can't see it emanating from a door so that entire, like, the entire summation that you got from the media is just asinine. You can't see odor. The the thing I would say is, sure, if they're smoking dope out of a backwoods, uh, which is a cigar roll, yeah, it has some black smoke. You're blowing it out a window and a cop walks by. You can smell your backwoods, smell your dope, and you smoke it out of the backwoods. Massive smell of smoke. But if you're a seasoned law enforcement officer, you're going to know they're smoking fucking pot. One. Two, the other issue that I have, and and here's how it can compound for Jordan Love. Regardless of whether he's charged or not, them boys have a bowl game in three days. What are you doing smoking pot three days before a bowl game? Additionally, earlier today— You did say it's a bowl game, so— Ha-ha. Ha-ha. That's funny. (laughs) They got a bowl game in three days. What are you doing smoking pot? And additionally— Jordan Love accepted his invite formally to the Senior Bowl today. Well, so he did it after all this came out, which I think after, is interesting. So it kind of tells you uh, nobody cares. Everyone, I, literal, ev- almost everyone I know, with very limited exception, smokes, does CBD, the the. Marijuana is all but federally legal and legal also nationwide. It's everything but that. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think CBD is illegal anywhere because it was in the farm. If we want to get down to legislative breakdowns, we can. Let's do uh, it. But it was uh, recently added the hemp-based products. Uh, as long as the CBD is hemp-based, 
mm-hmm. and it has lower than a certain amount of THC, which is the uh, the um, oh the component from from marijuana, that yeah. hallucinogenic component yeah. from marijuana. Um, that if it has lower than a certain amount of THC, then it is considered legal in every single state mm-hmm. uh, because it is federally legal. Or I guess certain state, states themselves can make it illegal, but it's not federally illegal yes. uh, as long as it is hemp based uh, and it has below the certain amount of, of THC. So that's one of those things where I'm like, all right. And the only reason I know that is because I'm sat there and like, I, I know stupid things about legislation. <laughs> well, and you would. So in addition, so in addition to, me, me looking at the Colts in this draft and saying, I don't know that I prioritize drafting a quarterback in the first round because I don't think the talent that replaces Jacoby Brissett is going to be there. Is that fair? I think it's fair to a point. I think anybody you take after those top three of Tua, Herbert, and I'm still not sold on Herbert, but of Burrow, Tua, and Herbert, yeah. everybody else you're going to want to sit for a year anyway. Exactly. You, you want to get them. Um, kind of just acclimated to the NFL and so yeah and I think it's interesting that that Jordan Love accepted a senior bullet invite after all this came out yeah. and after and it was after he was arrested because he got arrested on Saturday night yeah. or arrested or charged whatever I don't know whether I assume he got arrested um, and so he made this decision after being arrested, going to the senior bowl. And this just kind of screams to the situation with Bobby Okariki and the Colts last year is if Jordan Love is forthright with this, with teams, and he talks about it and he owns up to it, I think, like you said, they're going to go, whatever. It is what it is. Yeah. And if he sits there and it's like, tries to make excuses, trying to point the finger at somebody else, you know, the fact is he was there. This is similar to the, the Patriots situation um, with the the recording of plays, which I'm still interested to see what the NFL's discipline is going to be for that. Uh-huh. But the fact is he was there. It happened. Yeah. He was in a place where they were smoking pot. He got charged with possession. So it makes you think that if he didn't have possession on him, then there was pot in the room or paraphernalia in the room. Mm-hmm. And so uh, if – there's paraphernalia in the room and they don't know who's is who's they're going to get off on that and probably just plead it down. But the fact is all the facts are kind of not in dispute here. Yeah. Just like the Patriots, they recorded the signals when they weren't supposed to. Right. Like Jordan love was in the wrong place at the wrong time, got yep. busted and there was pot there. Yeah. Like, so if he owns up to that, and tells everybody, tells all the GMs, everybody that he talks to, that this is what happened. This is, you know, I made a mistake. You know, I've learned from it. You know, it's not going to be an issue. You know, right. whatever. That's a big thing for for the, the senior bowl and for people that go to senior bowl. And as Colts fans, we know, Chris Ballard likes to take guys that he, he sees at the senior bowl. Yep. And so I think it's really interesting that this came out and then immediately after Jordan Love, even though he declared last week that he was going to enter the draft, that after this event, he decided, all right, I'm in. Yep. And so here's here's my conspiracy theory for those out, those of you out there that like this. Oh, this should be fun. I want. I have. I don't know what this is going to be, so I'm excited. 
earlier this year, um, and correct me when I'm wrong, but and I, you know I don't I even gonna, I'm not even going to say it was Chris <laughs> Ballard because I'm not that confident in this, but the Colts and I'm using air quotes attended a Utah State game. It was Ballard. It was Chris Ballard. Mm-hmm. I don't see another player on Utah State's roster worth making that trip for. How yeah. about that? So with love in mind, har har, you go out there and you watch a kid play, you see a bunch of potential, you interact with him for a few minutes, you've kept in contact with him over time. He, with a new coaching staff, new offensive coordinator, and a, a dearth of talent around him or a lack thereof, uh, he still gets him to a bowl game and then realizes that that relationship that he has with Chris, Chris Ballard, he's going to need an opportunity to grow and that there's only one game left in his entire college career that could keep him from getting drafted by the Colts, and that's getting hurt in this bowl game on Friday. So what he does is he sits down with his guys and says, look, y'all don't have a future. I do. Here's how this is going to work. We're going to smoke dope. We're going to get caught. I'm not playing in the bowl game coach's decision but i'm going to go to the senior bowl and i'm going to nail my interviews and then my draft stock will fall so that i fall out of the first round because i'm a pothead who gives a who gives a shit largely right really because (laughs) that relationship i established with the colts i've started to follow them more closely jordan loves a smart kid and he realizes just like Stephen Reed just said, well, the Colts actually need a pass rusher and that it's probably better to use that first round draft pick to get a pass rusher. The Colts will still draft a quarterback, just not in the first round. If I smoke a little dope, I get passed over because most of these teams in the NFL, they care about those things and they're not going to pick me because they see that as a red flag. But Chris Ballard, has already drafted a player and in recent memory who had a similar issue before the draft. So there's your conspiracy theory uh, for everyone to chew so, on. <laughs> I really like the conspiracy theory. I will say this. The one person it does matter to is Jordan Love because of that guaranteed money that you get as you are up in the first round. Yeah. Now, one thing that I will say is if this all happened the way you said it did, and, and who knows? You know, uh, it might have. Uh, it's again conspiracy theories. We all like our tinfoil hats and everything like that. Um, the part that I would say is that the Colts would then trade up into the back end of the round of round one to get him there because you go. they would want. If you're going to go get a quarterback and you're going to sit there and wait for him to the first part of round two, you're better off trading a fourth round, trading a fourth or fifth round pick to move up and get him at the back half of round one, because then you get that fifth year option and on a quarterback's contract, that's actually really, really huge. Yeah. And so that's where I would say, you know, it even, would, that even like feeds your, even more into my conspiracy theory because like hypothetical, but yeah, that he's going to say, don't worry, I'm going to get you in the first round. He's just not going to be with that early pick. Right. So I think, and, and again, 
this is all pejorative. I don't actually know what I'm talking about, and I don't know what their communication level is like. But I would like to think if I flew across the country to watch a quarterback play, I'd introduce myself. We'd trade information. I would text you and say, hey, good game. I don't know that that's tampering. I don't know the rules. Yeah, I was going to say I'm not sure about that one. because I'm not sure. Like, do you think the Cincinnati Bengals have communicated with Joe Burrow? Like – and said, hey, great season, congratulations on the Heisman. Is that against the rules? I'm literally... Well, I know they can go talk to him. Like, And here's the thing is, the, the Chris Ballard went in mid-November to Utah to see the Utah State-Boise State game. I don't hmm. know if anybody on Boise... Like, for one, you're not, your GM is not going to fly across the country to go see like a defensive tackle. No. Or an outside linebacker. Nope. If, if, in the middle of November, I mean. Because right. yeah, you're in the dead middle of your season on a Saturday. You're going to go see a, a quarterback. And so, like, realistically, it's Jordan Love. You probably went and he probably went and met with him in person. You know, met with him around the facility. I don't think there's anything against that. No, right I don't now. think there is either. Um, not when it comes to, to draft prospects, things like that. No, Utah State might get mad because he had a year left of eligibility. <laughs> um, and so that could be an issue. Um, but I'm not sure. Um, but I feel like you can still talk to, to guys because you send scouts all the time right. to places. So it's not like a, a GM would have any different set of rules than what anybody else within the organization would have. Um, I really like the idea of the conspiracy theory. Probably didn't happen that way. No, not at all. But... How cool would it be if it did? That's that's what I'm saying is as as he's like, yeah, get busted like a couple of days before the before the bowl game. Yeah, the coach is gonna pull you out. You're not gonna play yep. in it. You're not gonna risk injury mm-hmm. um, because you're gonna get popped for this. They're gonna say, you know what, we're making a stand. This is yes. Utah. We're all about rules and laws yep. and, and not smoking pot because that's the devil. Yes. And we're not gonna have you play football this week Ex- for this exactly. game. You're not going to represent Utah State. And he's like, all right, that sounds good. Yep. Still and going to goes, the Senior Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Going to the Senior Bowl. Done. Yep. And then he's going to get a chance to compete there. And uh, we'll see. But yeah, if, like the Colts can get a defensive tackle or a wide receiver or a defensive end. The, the trouble with the defensive end position is this year it's not super deep. Nope. And so... Like, That's why I had Ken Law on my mind is the defensive end class isn't near as good as it was the last couple yeah. of years anyway. Like the defensive line position isn't as good as I thought it would be. No. Like when I'm looking through through plays, like you've got Chase Young at the top and, and he's this year's generational talent because apparently that's an every year thing. Um, yes. And then you've got AJ Epinesa from Iowa. And it's not, I don't think he's officially declared yet. Um, and then at the defensive tackle position, you've got Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw. Outside of that, I don't see anybody that's really like standout that's going in the first round. The defensive end position may be Yitter Gross-Matos from Penn State. Um, mm-hmm. Would be your other first-round guy. A guy I really like um, for the Colts to take at the defensive end position is actually a Notre Dame kid. Um, and it's uh, Khalid Kareem. Uh, I think uh, our own Zach Hicks had him taking uh, the Colts taking Khalid Kareem in like the third or fourth round in his most recent mock draft. Uh, so go ahead to Stampede Blue and, and check that out. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, like you could get a guy like a, a Grant Delpit out of uh, Louisiana State or LSU um, mm-hmm. would be a, an option. You could take the best kicker, um, you know, in the first round. So then you guarantee yourself at least 33 points mm-hmm. extra. Is it too soon for that? Yes, it, yes, it is. This is this is not your this is not your uh, fantasy football draft with your friends. I'm I'm talking to you, uh, my wife's best friend Lindsay, uh, is notorious for like drafting a kicker in the middle of your fantasy draft, and you're just like, wow, that that's probably gonna hurt in the long run. Um, good yeah, for yeah, us. They, they could get a wide receiver. Like the wide receiver class is really deep. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Jerry and Judy. Just the limited time I've watched him. Um, no, I, I think I like CD Lamb. I think he's probably like my wide receiver one. I, I haven't really broken down all the film for them. Right. And you've got all sort of T. Higgins from Clemson is another guy that I think will will be good. Devonta Smith is underrated, and mm-hmm. you know Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State is another guy that I think could end up showing out really well um, in the pros, but he was just limited by quarterback play at Arizona State. Yeah, and I think there's an over there's a really high percentage chance the Colts end up, and this is just because of the numbers with an LSU player or an Ohio state player, because both of those guarantee (laughs) it's almost a guarantee. Those programs are so loaded with talent all over the field that there there's just like I'm hedging my bet by saying it. Hey, there's a reason I called LSU Alabama and Ohio state Michigan is because between those four programs, that's half or more of the first round, most of the second round, most of the third round. Like, there's so many players going to get drafted off those four teams. Right. I want to make sure I'm looking at. You're probably looking at between 12 and 20 players from those four teams drafted in the first three rounds. Right. Out so of your first 60 something picks, about you're a third. probably looking at, yeah, probably like a third of them from coming from those four programs. So. I kind of got a jump start in our draft process because I got to sit and really watch Chase Young against a, against a, a rival, right? Um, command a triple double triple team, uh, and eventually he he's he kind of is my Thanos in this class, and that he's just inevitable, right? Um, even in the Ohio State Michigan game, when I was calling it, I was like, man, they haven't really said Chase Young's name much. I'm gonna start watching him a little more closely, and then I realized. That's because Michigan is the, yeah, Michigan's devoting half of their offensive line to yeah. stopping one player. Um, and then that kind of made me, you know, once I realized that, it let me calm down and not be, I don't have to be harsh about that anymore. And I could just kind of watch the whole game. And then I realized, well, how good is Ohio State's secondary? They've got two corners I could see get drafted pretty high. And then you look at Justin Fields, who's a Heisman finalist, who we didn't even talk about as an NFL prospect yet. And then once the ball gets rolling in your brain, then you realize like how little we all actually really know. We don't actually know who's going to come out of the bowl games, senior bowl, pre-draft process, combine, all those things in, in that order. Um, but the things that we do know about the Colts is they take, they love their seniors. They love college grads. They love drafting guys that are award winners, captains, all and academic. Captains, Power Five conference. Yep. They're big on like I I don't think there's been a draft that Chris Ballard has not taken an Ohio State player. There you go. Like, so I, I don't know that for a fact, but I feel like that's like Malik Hooker, 
Tyquan Lewis, Paris Campbell. Mm-hmm. Those are all like the last three drafts, right? Yeah, Braden Smith, Tyquan Lewis, Paris Campbell, all Ohio no, State. No, Blake so, Hooker. Braden Emily, Smith was Emily. Auburn. Oh, Braden Smith's from Auburn. Why do I always think he's a Ohio State kid? Because they draft a bunch of Ohio State kids? Um, yeah, probably. So let's get back. Let's talk about the Colts. We lose last night. We eliminate ourselves from the playoff. Colts are 6-8. and eight. Uh, Only a couple games left, a couple opportunities to get back to – you know, just being a 500 ball club, um, which isn't a terribly big ask. The Panthers starting Will Greer. Uh, you get the Colts, get them at home. And then the Jags on the road to close the season out, who, who these combined teams, I think, are like something along the lines of like 10 games below 500 in their last 20 or something, I think is what I read. Um, so it's not beyond possibility the Colts win out by virtue of just scheduling. Um, but yeah, I, think, I think, I think you're right. It's like 16 of 17 games the or the past like eight weeks. Um, the Jaguars and the Panthers are like, they've lost like 15 of 16 or something like that. It's yeah, it's, it's pretty bad. Mind numbing. Um, but that doesn't mean the Colts won't gaff this, these games away either. So of course the Colts, playing the Panthers on the road. And the the thing that we know is Christian McCaffrey is just going to do CMC things. And you'll be left wondering, can this team stop the run? Uh, and then. Well, the, the Panthers are playing here in here in Indianapolis. Yep. Um, and they are starting Will Greer, their rookie yes. this week. They have officially benched uh, Allen. And so it'll be interesting to see if the Colts defense brings a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. uh, to try to confuse the rookie and get some turnovers. And the the Carolina defense, for the most part, has been okay. They've just been put in really tough situations um, by the offense. And so I'll be interested to see how the defense does against, you know, know, Christian McCaffrey, run CMC, whether the, the defensive line can still hold, like, this past week against New Orleans, even though they were up 34 to zero, they still didn't really run the ball that well. Like they had like 117 yard rushing in the games. Their highest rushing player was um, Alvin Kamara, who had 66 yards rushing, if I remember correctly. Yep. On 14 and, carries. Yeah. So it, it wasn't even like a, a super great, you know, yards per It's like what, four or five yards per carry. Yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't terrible, wasn't great. It was better uh, than the Colts. It, it wasn't yeah, I was gonna say the Colts were at like what three point nine, something like mm-hmm. that. Yep. Um and so you know, it, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't spectacular, it wasn't terrible, right there in the middle. Uh but the fact is, you know, they were New Orleans was in run situations and still didn't get a bunch of big plays in the run game. And so I'll be interested to see how the the Colts can if they can bottle up Christian McCaffrey, now I feel pretty confident in this. Now they yeah. have to also. They're going to get uh, housed by DJ Moore, right? I was like, going to say DJ Moore <laughs> is the guy that, that could end up biting them. Yeah. Um, you know, and is Greg Olson still playing at this he point? He is. is, he he still, is. He, he's, he's no Jason Witten. He's, uh, he's still out there. Um, one of the probably better red zone tight ends, uh, 
available in the in the NFL. Um, which which actually makes me think about how much the Colts miss Eric Ebron um, only mustering seven points, additionally missing Kenny Moore on the other side of the ball. So yeah. if the Colts can get a guy like Kenny Moore back, that would that almost changes any any prediction I would have towards the outcome of the game because of his versatility, because of his ability to uh, be a slot. Kind of cover the slot and rush the passer too. He's got like they were like five sacks on the season. Yeah, well, and um, then you add in that the Quincy, Quincy Wilson was the one who kind of popped in there for that Kenny Orr spot, yeah. and you saw Quincy Wilson rush, uh, have a a blitz on Drew Brees, and Drew Brees just sidestepped him, and like oh, that yeah. was one of those things where you're like, oh come on, Quincy. Oh yeah. You can't get faked out by Drew Brees. No, no, no. Not on, not on that. Um, well, like Kenny Moore would just go in and make that tackle. So not only are you getting Kenny Moore back, you're actually removing a guy like Quincy Wilson or Roland Milligan from the which field. Is, which is a strict, time. strict upgrade. So yeah, obviously disappointed with the outcome. Definitely excited about the future. Super excited about the off season. So we want to let everyone know. Uh, in a, Speaking in addition- of the off season in the future, like one thing I want to hit on real quick is guys that I think might be getting extensions here soon. Okay. Because I think that a guy like Anthony Walker, Ryan Kelly and Anthony Costanzo should all be getting extensions here before the season's up. You're not letting those guys go. No, no. And and people who, people who say that the Colts are desperate at linebacker aren't paying attention. They're not. Um, And they just don't like, they're not desperate at linebacker. They've got three really solid, starting linebackers mm-hmm. and then they've got a guy that they like in ej speed although he's been inactive the past couple games that they liked him early in the season you know mm-hmm. darius leonard compared him to a young darius leonard um and so they've got a bunch of guys that have talent so we'll see how well they can develop uh, you know ryan kelly when he's healthy he's arguably the best center in the league and i don't think that that's that's particularly close um, and having him in there, Anthony Costanzo, um, you know, the Colts are, as we found out from that writer from New Arena, apparently are, you know, hard up for cap space. Yeah. And may have to let Anthony Costanzo walk. Um, for which, anybody that which, knows, I am totally joking right now. Yeah. But somebody from that website definitely put that in as their rationale for the Colts letting Anthony Costanzo walk. That's which it doesn't make Colts any sense. Don't have enough cap space to sign him. And of course, the Colts have like cap space to tag him five times over, right. and and be okay. And so, I don't think Anthony Scans. I think Costanzo probably signs a two or three year contract so he can mm-hmm. retire as a Colts. Yep. Um, you know, Ryan Kelly probably looking at four or five years. Same thing with Anthony Walker. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are three guys that I think are deserving of contract extensions. There's been talk of of the Colts cutting certain players as well mm-hmm. in the off season. And I don't think that that's a shoe-in. Um, there was talk of people cutting uh, Marcus Hunt, Mark Lewinsky, you know, Jacoby Brissett, Brian Hoyer, and, and things like that. Like, first, you're not cutting Jacoby Brissett. Nope. Brian Hoyer, I could see you cut Yep. depending on what you do in the draft. Um, Marcus Hunt has actually played pretty well recently, so I don't see them making that cut either. And Mark Lewinsky, is a so- he, he's got a decent contract or a team-friendly contract, and would be a great backup right guard. 
like you don't really like he played a good game this week, but you don't really want him to be your starting right guard if you don't have to. Yeah. And so the Colts can upgrade the offensive tackle or right the, the right guard or right tackle position in the offseason. Then I think that that would be a good idea to be able to put Glowinski in as a backup mm-hmm. because I think he'd be a quality kind of like I feel about Jacoby Brissett. I think that he's a great spot starter if you need it. He can fill in admirably, and he's not going to necessarily lose you games, but you just don't feel confident about him winning you games. Right. And that's about Jacoby Brissett, not Mark Lewinsky. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. Um, people will say, oh, well, if you take a right tackle, what are you going to do to Braden Smith? Uh, I've said this before. I think that Braden Smith makes more sense moving inside to right guard. That's where he was drafted to play. That's where he was an All-American at Auburn. Um, his all, he was on the All-American team with uh, Quentin Nelson that year. Quentin Nelson was the left guard. Braden Smith was the right guard. Uh, and Braden Smith has performed admirably as a right tackle. But if you can get a guy like I've, I've pumped him up like crazy, Lucas Niang from TCU, which I think he's going to go. As we're getting closer to it, I think we're going to he's going to go in that mid-second round range, if not at late first. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're probably going to need to take him, you know, higher than you, what you hoped for, uh, because ideally you'd like to get him in that mid to late second round. Uh, you yeah. have to take him a little bit earlier. But having a guy on the right side that you can slide Braden Smith down to his more natural position upgrades two spots on the offensive line versus taking a right guard. You're only upgrading one, upgrading one spot. Right. And so I look at more as a issue with Glowinski than I do with Braden Smith. And I think that if you draft a right tackle, that's an upgrade on Braden Smith. You're able to move him to right guard where again, it's his more natural positions where they wanted him to play initially. So you're upgrading effectively two positions by only taking one player. And I think that that's it just smart as a GM to do that. And it sounds something along the lines of what uh, Chris Ballard would do um, and of course, there's a lot of things that we don't know. So we don't know the Colts evaluation process as a in-house. We don't know their evaluation process on draft picks. We're trying to figure it out. Um, but like we've said, it's pretty fair to say the Colts are going to target guys that are college graduates, play in the senior bowl, captains of their team, team captains, all active in know, the community, active in the community, all academic um all conference that are award winners these are guys that are already being acknowledged because they bring with you that that they are winners by nature they're used to winning um and they're the best at what they do um but one of the things i i was getting at before we started talking about uh cap space guys colts will cut guys colts will extend uh was saying with Last year's draft class being largely defensive, it's it's fair for us to be sitting here talking about offensive linemen, wide receiver, quarterback. Um, and it's even fair to say, uh, hey, tight end. You know, if Eric Ebron moves along. Um, Bryce Hopkins out of uh, Purdue. Yeah. Uh, there round two. Since 
Jack Doyle has signed his extension. He's got like four catches on 12 targets. He's being the focal point of defensive coverage. He's the entire reason I brought up uh, the linebacker from New Orleans because he played him well in coverage. Um, is that a guy like Eric Ebron forces you to kind of pick your poison there when they've got both on the field and know that Jack Doyle's actually a better receiving tight end statistically than Eric Ebron, but the presence of both requires means basically one of them is going to be open. And that's a throw that Jacoby has made successfully. So we know what we, what we're telling you is what we know is, you know, last year was a defensive draft this year. I, we just got done telling you in the last hour and change there was a regression defensively significantly. I think that there's, there's even room for what about, what do you do with Pierre to Right. That, not oh, that quite the player he that, was last year. Yeah. That was um, another guy. Somebody came brought up as being a potential cut is to because yeah. he doesn't have any dead cap money. I don't believe. So the, the Colts could definitely look at, cornerback again um so without knowing what happens regarding the next couple games without knowing how the you know these are things i don't know how the bowl games go how the senior bowl goes how that pre-combine combine combine, pre-draft stuff goes uh, it's pretty fair to say the colts are due to upgrade on offense so bringing up hey, let's move Braden Smith to his more natural position. Let's draft the best right tackle in in college football that we could get. Uh, Makes so much sense that it's like, hey, that's a likely move because it makes sense and it's smart and Chris Ballard's smart. So obviously, again, like disappointed with the outcome last night, not necessarily surprised, more disappointed in how we lost not that we lost. Um, so looking yeah, ahead, I think we all kind of expected the Colts to lose last night. Absolutely. You know, I, this is the first game all year that we both were like, yeah, we're going to go with the saints. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously it was with merit. But yeah. So yeah, looking ahead to the Panthers this week. Yep. So let's just take a look real quick. And I'm one of those people. I just give you the data rather than my opinion. Uh, Carolina Panthers, 23rd, in total offense, and the Panthers are 24th in total defense. So basically, with the exception of the Jaguars, who are 25th in total defense and 25th in total offense, so the the back, you know, the last two games of the Colts season are the softest. <laughs> After the last two weeks being pretty rough, right? The they get couple pretty soft matchups against teams that are absolutely beatable. Uh, one of which is starting. Well, I mean, I guess we're going to get Will Greer and Gardner Minshew to end 2019. And if there are games, Jacoby Brissett and this Colts offense should just be able to outperform. It's well, it's the Carolina. You gotta hope. You gotta hope. Um, and so like the Panthers are 0 and 6 in their last six games. Ugh. Now their last Which, win, their last win was was against the Titans in 
on November 3rd. So they've gone a month and a half without a win. And uh, they actually played those Saints really well mm-hmm. and uh, lost uh, to the Saints and Seahawks uh, by, you know, three points and six points respectively. And so, you know, that they, they can play ball, but the fact is they're 0-6 in their last six. Lost yeah. to the Falcons twice in blowouts. So, yeah, I... Who knows what Colts team will show up? Who knows what Panthers team will show up? Yeah, and that and that's why they play the games on Sunday, right? So, of course, I would project the Colts to win just looking at the numbers. Uh, but I'm like, gonna project the Colts to win two to zero. Right, it, it's, it's a safety. I don't it, expect it, their it, offenses to do anything. I think that I there's this is this is like one of those 17-10, 21-17 games. Um, I mean, you're getting them at home, which should make your offense a little more fluid. Um, should be a little quieter on offense. Should let Jacoby kind of calm down and operate the offense. And I expect <laughs> to say I expect a better performance than he put up in New Orleans. Kinds of kind of goes without saying, right? Like. There is only up uh, from, I believe you said, like eight inaccurate throws out of 34. That's basically a quarter of there the throws. There 11. Made. 11. So even worse. 11 or like inaccurate. A third, and this, a third yeah, of, his, third of throws his throws were just inaccurate. Uh, not batted at the line. eight were just straight overthrows. Not, not well defended. Inaccurate. Um Though, that's yeah. something that you can bet will improve. Uh, there is no way after a fall off like that that there isn't market improvement over a short a short time frame. Um, and say the Colts win, they're seven and eight potentially eight and eight on the season that puts them again, drafting in the back half of the the first round. No, of the Um, teens. So you're drafting in there between 15 and 19 because 21 through 32 are all teams that make the playoffs. Right. Um, And so you're drafting in that probably 15 to 18 range Mm -hmm. up there, because you got to think that one of Tennessee or Houston is not going to make it. Um, or Pittsburgh, and so you've got one team that's definitely going to be above you. Um, there's going to be some teams in the NFC that are also going to be have better records than the Colts. Um, yeah, when I break down the the Panthers, they've got the the here's the thing with Carolina is they're in a, a similar situation I think to where the Colts are, in that they've got a lot of really good individual pieces on both sides of the ball. I mean Christian McCaffrey. Is a phenomenal running back, just weapon. They've got Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore at wide receiver. Um, their offensive line um, likely needs some work, but they've got some great playmakers on defense. Luke Keekley, Eric Reed, Shaq Thompson. Um, they, uh, who's the uh, pass rusher from Boston College this past year? Um, and it's slipping my mind what, what his name is, but. Um, Brian, no, from Florida State, Brian Burns. Um, they've got him as well, and he should be playing. He didn't get a lot of snaps 
this past week. I think he got like four or seven snaps this mm-hmm. past week against Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of was, was mind-blowing. I don't think he logged any kind of tackle or assist in the game. Uh, but he can really take advantage of Braden Smith on that that right side of the line. He'd line up his left defensive end in that situation. Um, you know, you got Joe McCoy, who's who's fallen off the map a little bit in terms of skill level in recent years, but he still has some quality talent there. Um, so, like, they've got good players, but they don't have a quarterback. And so Carolina right now is sitting at 5-9 and nine on the season. Here's a good thing for the Colts is if uh, – well, good thing Colts win – good thing if Colts lose because then Colts lose Carolina and and the Colts have the same record and Carolina would have the head to head, which would mean the Colts would be higher than them picking in the draft. Um, And so that's the, that's the one positive. The other positive I think is a lot of the teams and I'd have to check this really quick to try to get an idea of these standings. That's another conspiracy theory. A lot of the well, I don't know which conspiracy theory you're going with, but the a lot of the teams that are sitting at five and nine, the Colts have lost to. So you've got right now teams that are sitting at five and nine: the Falcons, Jaguars, Panthers, Broncos, Chargers, and Jets. Of those teams, the Colts could lose to the Jaguars. If they lose this week, they've lost to the Panthers. They beat the Broncos, they lost to the Chargers, and then they did not play the Jets. And so you're looking at a, a handful of teams. Then you've got also Oakland that's tied with the Colts at 6-8. and eight. And so you're looking at a handful of teams that have already either beaten the Colts in this round or the Colts have played. And so like the Colts would be above – the Colts have beaten the Falcons and the Broncos mm-hmm. from this list. And so they would be – in front of the Colts in terms of that draft order. And so it's just an interesting, interesting thing to play down because you look at head to head records a lot of times and try to eliminate teams that way. Um, the first, first breakdown though is strength of schedule, I believe in terms of playoff positioning mm-hmm. or not playoff positioning, but uh, draft positioning yeah. is head to head. It's, you know, season record, head to head record, season record, Season record, if it's just two teams, it's head-to-head. If it's multiple teams, I think it breaks down to strength of schedule and mm-hmm. kind of going about it that way. But it, the Colts' losses have actually been kind of opportune losses in right. terms of draft positioning. Mm-hmm. Again, I hate that they've lost because I'm a fan and I want them to make the playoffs and I want them to compete for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, this year just wasn't their year. Like, it is what it is. So you kind of, it's now Colts are officially eliminated. So you're looking for the better draft position. Mm-hmm. What you want is competitive games, with the Colts ultimately, you know, falling short. <laughs> um, and that's <laughs> like I'm not rooting for that. Right. But at the same time, you're not disappointed if that happens. I think the Colts will win because they want the Panthers to pick ahead of them because they just fired Ron Rivera. They're going to have to draft a quarterback because they're without one, right? Cam Newton's gone. 
Josh Allen ain't it. Will Greer's too young, like too inexperienced. They're going to draft. So you you play them. You you know you beat them. They pick a spot ahead of you, and they know you need to draft a quarterback. So they're pressured to do so. And of course, I'm joking. It's a conspiracy theory, right? So I'm substantiating why I think the Colts win is because Chris Ballard sees it as an opportunity to say, you know, if there is a team that I want to draft ahead of me, it's a team that just fired their head coach, who I think is a good head coach and will absolutely be employed elsewhere in, in short order. Uh, such a good coach. I would be then, surprised to see him here in Indianapolis if Ibrafus gets a head coaching job. I would yeah. not be surprised at all to see Ron Rivera here in Indianapolis as the defensive coordinator. The only the only issue with that is that I'm afraid Eberflus has coached and coordinated his way out of a head coaching job offer. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, that's, after last night's game, I kind of the past couple of weeks I've been like, man, why are you playing? Uh, why are you playing zone against these quarterbacks? Like, yeah, I, I question the the defensive play calling um, yeah. on it. With regards Which, to the game, I think the Colts are going to win. Um, you said 2-0. Yeah, yeah, 2-0. No, <laughs> in reality, I think they're probably going to win. Um, I would say 20-14. to 14. Okay. So similar, I said 17-10, 21-17, something like that. So... Yeah. Projecting the Colts to win strategically uh, because it forces the Carolina Panthers to draft. Oh, I don't know, from from Georgia probably. Um, ooh, that's great. a that's a nice called shot too. Wouldn't that Carolina, be great? Georgia. Yeah, that'd Carolina, be great. Carolina, Georgia, and then SEC country there, and yeah. then you can, uh, you know, as long as Carolina drafts like from or Eason. Yeah. You no, know, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. No, Eason's going to San Diego. Could. So, well, I'm, I'm purely, purely You're calling drafting. shots right now. This is the end of the podcast. Call, For all those people shots. that are, are still with us, right. you're taking you think, some bold you, choices here. <laughs> Less some than 5% of our listeners, right? <laughs> so, Burroughs from Ohio, he goes to Cincinnati, right? And then next in that in that order, let's just do it, right? So, next in that draft, we say... Uh, the, oh, okay. So I guess not. So next it's the Dolphins. Dolphins. They pick Tua, uh, right? I say the Chargers take Herbert. And then the Chargers take Justin Herbert from Oregon. And then, yeah. Panthers Panthers are taken, you know, from. From, yeah. And then. From or Easton. Oh, the Raiders! Uh, the Raiders take Jacob East. Take East. Oh, that could be it too. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. See, uh, guys, we've already figured out the first. We already figured it out. It's, it's based on proximity. Uh, yeah. Because it's mark. It's marketing too, right? Like, oh, you know, <laughs> Herbert's a left coast quarterback <laughs> going to a left coast franchise. Like, that makes total sense, right? Joe Burrow going back home to Ohio. Tua going next door to Miami. Here's the thing with Joe Burrow, though. You saw him, you know, wearing the the Johnny U jersey. So maybe he's just got the Colts in his heart. He he grew up in Ohio. He went to Ohio State, but they kicked him out, and he had to transfer. 
And so maybe he's got some inside resentment to Ohio and that he really just wants to be a Colts player because of the, the and he pulls an Eli Manning. Yeah. He pulls an Eli Manning. And maybe that's where this whole thing comes from is that, that Joe, uh, you know, Burrow just doesn't want to play in Ohio. He just wants to wear that horseshoe, just like his favorite quarterback of all time, Johnny, you, and there's a conspiracy theory. That yeah. that's an actual good one, right? Like, Boom. hey, done done. Joe Burrow We've got has pictures of him in Johnny U's jersey. <laughs> Joe like, Burrow has it set in his mind yeah. that he's destined to follow Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck in the hierarchy of greatness. Uh, if you want to be remembered as a generational quarterback, you need to play for the Colts. Yeah, I mean, hey, I, I don't know of any other generational quarterback. Um, you know, drafted early that played for any team other than the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So there's it's Peyton Manning and, and Andrew Luck, you know, Art Rogers was drafted 24th. What generational quarterback gets drafted 24th, right? <laughs> so there you have it. Kids. That's terrible. Yeah. We're that, getting a, I'm obviously playing, guys. So yeah, we're completely I'm just joking ki- around, kidding about <laughs> Burrow <laughs> refusing to be drafted and go home. Like well, that you know, actually you... might happen. Who knows? But <laughs> the, the, the other parts about generational quarterbacks, of course, Aaron Rodgers is generational. Right, right. Of right. course, Tom Brady is is a fantastic quarterback in that system. Um, and you will always hear me say that group of words together. Um, Peyton Manning. Andrew Love generational quarterbacks, you know, but you know, that, that Joe Burrow thing, who knows? It might, might pick up, might, might run away with it. The Colts see, here's the thing. The Colts could lose out and become the sixth pick. Then going up to one, maybe isn't that far of a stretch. You know? Maybe trade that, trade that sixth overall pick in that, that pick from Washington to move yeah. up. That's not, you, you move up to one, like you're probably going to have to give up a little more than that. Oh, you you're think probably so? Gonna have, to, have to give up. Well, uh, based on the chart, you're probably going to have to give up a little more. You're probably going to have to give up a future one in there. But you give up, you know, give up six overall and a future one to move up to one overall, get Burrow. Feel pretty confident in that. Um, yeah, I lo- I, I watched I watched them play big games, man, and, jo- and that's the thing I will Boy. say with with confidence. Joe Burrow plays well in the moment. Yeah. Um, and he's and- got great. But like he always keeps his eyes downfield, got a great mm-hmm. pocket present, pocket movement, and he's got good ball security. Yep. Which is like it's tough to like you teach that to guys, but you don't see him always, you know, parlay that to being in the game. Exactly. And so yeah. So anyway, all that conspiracy stuff aside, I can't wait to see Joe Burrow in Indianapolis Colts jersey next season. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a good place to to kind of <laughs> let it go. Uh, if you're interested in following Stephen or I on Twitter, I am likely alien. Stephen is nice read R E E D Steve, uh, and we've got a Twitter handle for a podcast at Pod Pancake. If you would, and this has been uh, Afternoon Pancakes episode 25. We'll see you after Sunday's game. Go Colts.